0: Hello and welcome to FGC Philosophy. My name is Haven the Philosopher Napier and this is where we level up inside and outside the virtual arena. We do that by talking about topics that I feel are important or interesting to me. And today's topic is one that I'm very passionate about, one that I'm very excited about, one that I alluded to last week, if you watched last week's episode or listened to it. And that is the conversation that I had with the founder of MindBody Esports, person who has worked with the top teams in eSports like NRG, Fnatic, Evil Geniuses, and more, Uh, Edward Cleland. I had the chance to sit down with him live on stage and talk to him and break down some of these topics that I've been talking about for years. But talking to someone who's a pro, who works with pros, I can't explain how exciting it was, how nervous I was to do that event. Uh, if you happen to watch us on the podcast version, I am going to try to upload the video version later on. If you want to check that out, it's nothing too crazy. It's just us on the screen. But if you want to see what I look like or something like that, or or just see, you know, my, our body language, I don't, I don't know. It, we'll have the video version up on YouTube later on after I edit that one, but this episode i'm going to be putting this conversation in there i may stop from time to time to add a little bit of commentary and i'll let you know when i'm doing that but i just wanted you guys to hear the full unedited conversation Uh, i thought it was a overall really good conversation because we were alive and on stage i couldn't do any edits or anything like that so maybe i don't know if i fumbled or not i was so focused on talking to edward and nothing else uh, that i don't really know if i made a lot of mistakes i know someone said i did a lot of ums and that's i for sure know that's true <laughs> i don't even have to go back and look at it to know that that's true because i do that a lot however uh, overall you know I, when i couldn't see the audience because the lights are so bright i couldn't really make eye contact with anybody <laughs> uh, but uh, you know that allowed me to look out to the audience but not actually see anybody uh, I could see silhouettes and whatnot, but it, it allowed me to just focus on Edward and and be in the moment. And because I forgot my notes backstage, I really had to just stay in the moment and really pay attention to what he was saying. There were times where I forgot a couple of things that I wanted to ask him, but there was so much talk about that I felt comfortable with just moving on with the conversation i've been doing it for so long on podcasts where sometimes i forget to write down my show notes or uh, i just want to do an off-the-cuff conversation that i'm used to holding conversations with people Uh, and as hard as i am myself that's one of the few skills that i'm very confident in my ability is is to conversate and to break down topics and to dig a little bit deeper on things and i felt like i did a good job before we get into that though i gotta plug my sponsor i use audible every single day and right now you know i've been listening to this lit rpg book called overtaken online it's a four book bundle and it's super long and i'm not going to go too crazy into it right now maybe i'll talk about it in the future in more depth um but it's an interesting book and that genre i'm very passionate about i love it it's almost like isekai meets uh vr sometimes it's hard to say it's hard to explain it In a short amount of time, but basically, I like audiobooks. I like listening to them. Um, I listen to Harry Potter with my son now when we go to bed sometimes, or dinosaur books. But I also listen to a lot of personal development books or or self-help books. Books like Mastery by Robert Greene, How to Win Friends and Influence People by I think Stephen Covey, uh, The Inner Game of Tennis. Can't remember his name i don't want to look it up but I, I the inner game of tennis is a really good book that's the one that i just finished i'm re-listening to it right now i talked about that with my guest gator melon and so many other books i don't want to list them all but there's so many good audiobooks on there and if you use the link tavian.com audible tavianapiercom audible then you get a free month, plus a free book. You can try it out. If you keep it, then I do get a small commission and I greatly appreciate that. And if you don't wanna keep it, then you don't pay any money. So it's a win-win either way. You try the service and you like it or you don't. And if you do like it, then it helps me out. So definitely check that out. If you wanna help support this channel, that is the one thing that I almost always plug as I look outside and see it is snowing, super crazy outside, crazy. All right, but that said, Let's get into this episode. So we're gonna get right into it. The audio quality may go in and out. So I'm gonna to try to edit it as best I can. But that said, let's get into the show and I hope you enjoy. Thank you. So I feel like there's a lot of stuff we could break down there, right? Um, I wanna hone in on focus part first because I think as a uh, millennials and both zoomers as well, focus is a hard topic to grasp. Um, a little bit of backstory with me, I have ADD, I was diagnosed when I was 17, and uh, I didn't know what a quiet mind sounded like until I was about 25, right? So I'm curious for you and your experience with dealing with um, this younger generation and maybe people our age as well, um, what's been your approach to handling focus and like, what have you seen as remedies to help people understand like how to focus better? Sure. Um, well, focus
1: is complex, right? And when we're talking about focus, we have to look at the individual and what they actually kind of to go back to my point. Um, for each individual, that's going to look differently. And I would say, right now, there, there's so many different ways to um, hone in on that. I have certain players where we're doing certain drills. Of, let me step back. There's 250 different forms of meditation. Right? There's 250 mm-hmm. different types of meditation. There are countless ways to scan the body, to sit within the body to try to create some space for yourself. And what I think works first and foremost is having an ability to sit in silence, you know? I love the idea of starting our day with a little bit of silence before we get on Twitter, taking that moment, Mm -hmm. taking some stock. Um, I think about in between that round, you know, you're so focused in on a round and you feel all the emotions from it. And are we willing to create the space in between that round and the next round or the next moment of our lives, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. the next question? Um, Are we willing to create that space to sit with ourselves and get out of the mental clutter for a moment? Yeah. In in mindfulness, we talk a lot about body scanning, Mm -hmm. feeling a breath, sitting there with it, Mm -hmm. right? And what does that mean? I love that with my offers and counter-strike, sitting nice and calmly. Um, but, but the concept of focus, uh, I'm reading a book right now, I can't remember the name of it, so something on focus, and I'm listening to it at 1.6 times the speed, mind you. Uh, so every time that I think of that, I, I like to slow it down for a minute and hear his real voice for a moment. Um, it, I think the focus topic is difficult to, to breach. In the topic of ADD, ADHD, with um, variables, oh, so, um, many of the practitioners, too, have it, a lot of that, and that led them into it. There, there's plenty of different ways to kind of discuss it. I will say I have one player who, right now, we're doing something interesting. We read a book for a minute, and he does it on audio, and we read it together, and we close our eyes for 30 seconds. We talk about it. Mm-hmm. We do it again. I think so much of it's about creating that space in the middle, um, whether it's at the beginning and end of your days, in the middle of your practice, when you're coming back into practice. Mm-hmm. It's all those little checkpoints.
0: How do you approach talking about meditation with people? Like, for me, that that was what changed my mindset. Like, mm-hmm. I, I started meditating, I did it every day, and it was about a couple of months before I recognized what a quiet mind was. Not mm-hmm. why I started meditating, but that's that's what happened. What I find a lot of times with uh, people my age, older, younger, meditation seems to be something they're very apprehensive about. So how do you, how sure. do you approach talking about that? Well, meditation like that? is hard, because you're sitting there in
1: silence and your mind is talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you say 50% of us have a narration going on at all times, right? By show of hands, who in here thinks that they're one of the 50%? That you're, you're constantly talking to yourself in your head. There's all kinds of things going on all the time. I always find it's over 50% of the room, always. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of this talking narration and, and what's happening, um, when I talk about those four areas, so if I said communication, well, communication is a team, we understand that. Don't troll your teammates, you know, deliver news, not, not emotions. I mean, all that stuff just makes perfect sense. But when we talk about communication to ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, what, what type of information are we taking in? What type of messaging are we uh, self-soothing ourselves with? Or what type of stories are we narrating? In all of those spaces, there, there's invitation for calmness and for stillness. But I think when you talk about beginners uh, meditation, I almost like it to be more, especially with gamers, a walking meditation nature meditation, something about um, moving through, maybe it's guided imagery, Mm -hmm. you know. Just to sit there in silence with yourself is a real struggle. Certainly valuable, Uh, my favorite meditative practice is -hmm. to sit there in silence 15 minutes a day every day um, and just let happen what happens, zazen meditation, blankness. Um, But that is a tough, tough thing to do. So for beginner's meditation, what we want to do is recognize that the mind will continue to have knocking at the door we want to say hello to it. And if you think about gaming, so often we kind of uh, try to like block out certain things to focus, and we all have that moment where it's kind of like come back up, and you say, oh boy, that kind of creeped back up for me. Same thing with meditation. So we practice sitting there and allowing that knocking, and we say hello to it, and it's a catch and release. Mm-hmm. We allow it to leave, and then we sit there in the discomfort.
0: Mm-hmm. That sort of segues into a couple of different topics. I'm gonna to try to stay on point here. Um, so one aspect of it, that leads into uh, emotions and and how people feel and how they react. Uh, From my point of view, and let me know if you disagree, I feel like when people aren't aware of like quieting their mind, awareness of the mind, what their mind is doing, it's harder to regulate their emotions. So When people get mad or when people get sad or or they get distracted by something, it's a little bit harder to recognize that. So it's almost its own topic of handling your emotions and how you deal with that. Mm -hmm. But it also feels like when you learn how to focus, when you learn how to quiet your mind, it's a little bit easier to regulate those emotions. Would you agree, disagree? Oh, of course. Mm. Yeah, sure.
1: I mean, it's almost saying like, if you're calmer, are you uh, better able to make judgments? (laughs) <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or if you're nice and uh, relaxed, are you better able? I mean, we talk about that in athletics, too. You know, when you're, when you're relaxed, you're more able to move freely. You know, um, mental stress oftentimes comes with a physiological problem. I'm a physiological, I'm a PhD psychophys student, mm-hmm. uh, really is what I am right now. I'm researching psychophysiology. Is anything that happens to the mind, it, that affect to the body? And what, what we know is that if anything's happening in the mind, there's a bodily effect. There's some form of evidence that that mental stress is existing within the body, mm-hmm. and you see this in um, regular life as well. Somebody will say, "I strained my neck." You say, "Oh, what did you do?" Oh, "I'm stressed," right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't lifting something heavy. It was just, "I'm not managing my stress, and my body is reacting." Disease is the same way. The body—it's the body reacting. So, you know, to, to calm the body will calm the mind. Calm the mind will calm the body. It's one of the reasons why so many gamers, uh, I work with Blame F, if anybody knows Blame F, uh, muscle-bound, I mean he's just shredded, Rip picks me up, picked me up over his head last <laughs> time we were together in Copenhagen. These kids are yelling at him, Blame F, and he's shoulder pressing me in Copenhagen. Um, you know, when he doesn't work out, he's not the same in-game leader. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, we can we can acknowledge and address a lot of these things by looking at the whole system of the body. You know, a restless mind is usually a restless body and vice versa. There's a reason why after a workout you feel more clear-headed. The science of that's undeniable.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I think that's why it's so important we look at the whole person. It doesn't matter if you're a gamer or not, I mean, you know, the science is still the science.
0: Yeah. Can you you break down a little bit about the the four pillars that you talked about? I know you were talking about that earlier, but I I really like what you were saying and I want to hear a little bit more about that. So this is really
1: loosely... my graduate program, I um, did my thesis on this, and now it's just coming back into my uh, PhD work. Um, this is kind of based off of a theory by someone by the name of Ken Wilber. It's a four-quadrant theory, but really what it is is an intrinsic internal, an extrinsic internal, an external extrinsic, and an external intrinsic. Um, so really the way I kind of conceptualize that is you have the individual, uh, and I'll use myself as an example. I have Edward, and then maybe my gamer tag, Dao, which is my gamer tag, as in Taoism. Um, and then if I'm on it, I don't game. But that's the jersey they give me. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So it's on the back. It's my handle. Um, and then you have the team, and then you have the team externally, what the what the community looks upon the team. So in G2, uh, for instance, I have like Nico and JKS and these guys, um, and they're humans. right? So I'm meeting them as a human, as a practitioner and I'm helping them as a human and as a practitioner. And will that transcend onto the game? Of course it will. Of course. But it's independent of that, meeting them there. Um, I had a gamer one time say, Edward, um, it was about the confidence notebook. He said, will you not judge me if I tell you where I get my confidence from? And I said, no, of course not. It was new in our relationship. And he said, I'm most confident after I do my laundry. Hey, right? <laughs> All right. I said, tell me more. He said, uh, I found that sometimes when I'm at work, you know, I stink. You know, I smell like BO a little bit. Didn't wash my jacket for a couple days. It makes me kind of not feel as good. Um, and his nationality and kind of their culture um, kind of lend us some of that. And, you know, we're, we're so afraid to, like, meet these people as people that we, we want to almost talk about the intervention. We want to talk about this special thing. But first you have to meet a person where they are. So I found great success in helping somebody as a human and to better understand themselves and to become more confident as a person. And um, that transcends. You know? So then the second part uh, is that gamer
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the behaviors, the talent, the skill, all, all your important metrics that we use to, to assess those things. Um, and we know they have to be the best. We know that. To be a pro gamer, you've got to be the best. Just like being a pro athlete, you've got to be the best. in the industry. We kind of walk through those areas
0: mm-hmm. uh, i want to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, i think a topic that a lot of players come across and uh, i'll ask the audience have you guys ever dealt with plateauing before plateauing in the game like you get stuck hard stuck in a certain rank or anything like that yeah um from your perspective i feel like that has to be a really common thing it is how do you approach that and what have you seen what it's gonna be different for every person right so there's no right way of doing it but from your experience, what are the common traits that help people overcome or avoid plateauing? I love when a gamer tells me I, I
1: had to play another match because I can't quit on a loss.
0: I love when a gamer
1: tells me I had to play again because I actually won and had a good match. It's like it's almost like they're setting themselves up to have a terrible last map of the night. You know, it's like uh, I have to go to bed angry. I have to go. So I would say first and foremost, we have to have some boundaries. We have to understand boundaries. And when you're walking into your space, and you might sleep in the same room you game, and that might be the same room you eat, in the same room you get happy and mad and everything else, right? But we have to have some boundaries and check in with ourselves. Um, I like to do that after every map, or after every day, or after every night. But let's say that you're, let's get back to the point of being hard stuck. Mm -hmm. So, we're now analyzing it, right? We're now looking for a reason. We're about to change crosshairs and our desk height and everything else, because we're hard stuck. So now it's becoming something out there. Mm -hmm. It's not something in here anymore. It's something out there. But you got to where you are because of in here. You didn't get to where you are because of out there. And now now we're searching out there for an answer. So The first thing I would say is kind of back to the idea of stepping back and creating that space. Create some space for yourself. Create some forgiveness about being frustrated of where you are. Step away from it for a minute. Mm -hmm. Kind of recalibrate. Find some joy in it. Again, heaven forbid we, we make it fun again. right? Get back to kind of the the roots of it. Uh, I'd say that is the first step. Um, Because going deeper down the rabbit hole usually doesn't get you the answer. When you start asking more and more questions and they start compiling, um, usually simplicity is the the pathway instead of complexity. Mm -hmm. So the first step would be to step back from it and allow yourself that space. And that's independent of who we're talking about.
0: Right. Another facet that I see when it comes to improving, plateauing, all that kind of stuff, is accountability, and I feel like that's a really broad topic, and I want to break down a couple aspects mm-hmm. of it. Uh, but just starting off with accountability in regards to getting better at games, what have you? What kind of traits have you seen that hold players back from actually getting better? Comparing themselves to people.
1: That's probably the biggest one. Thinking that they have to do something a certain way—that's not a way that they would, you know, be able to do it. Mm-hmm trying to make their uh, practice similar to somebody else's that if it's not for them. Creating their own barriers is a problem. Accountability is a huge topic though and it really is you know for some of these orgs they have really dedicated staff members in the room. in mean, this trip I'm going on right now, we have every half hour planned out for the next 16 days. Every half hour it is the coach's dream. Players might think it's insane, but it's a coach's dream. But we're putting them in a position where environmentally, there's not a lot of room for external failure, right? Maybe internal failures, missing shots or something. But yeah. um, we're putting them in that scenario where they have that accountability and structure in place. They don't have to be self-driven to do it. And that's tough to do at a collegiate level. Mm-hmm. That's tough to do. Even if you have a really competent coach or manager and you're, you're really well put together and organized, it is difficult to... Um, have someone genuinely help you be accountable, you know? Mm-hmm. Your teammates have to fill some of that role, you have to provide a lot of that for them and yourself.
0: It almost feels scary for some people to, to talk about. I feel Like, it's, it's different from person to person, but some people just avoid it like the plague. Well,
1: let, let's talk about why that's so scary, too. And part mm-hmm. of that is an unrealistic thing. If, if I meet somebody, I've worked with thousands of people in nutrition, uh, just, it's been 16 plus years, i, I worked at some large places. Um, they come in and that first day, they tell you all these perfect things they're going to do, right? It's like a new workout program. I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. Well, you haven't gone in six months, right? It was five times a week are the right plan right now. It's if it's sustainable, you don't need as much hand-holding. You don't need as much accountability. Are we willing to just get a win? I love starting the day off with a win. You know, my, my kids and I make the beds. We get our lemon water, lime water, whatever they want that morning, you know, kind of do our morning meditation, dog walking. You have these systems in place that allow for straight wins. Nothing but wins, you know? I have an intention, simple intention, nailed it. Mm. Over and over and over again. You've got to line up your whole life like that. You can't start the day with some losses or ambiguity and then ask yourself, why am I not following through on this later or these bigger things? Start with the smaller ones. Yeah. And I worked with a lot of marathoners previously when I was working with runners like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you meet a new runner versus a seasoned, I'm a seasoned marathoner, right? If, if I wanted to run a marathon or a half marathon, I could go do it. Um, that's taken to get to that point. You meet a new marathoner and they'll say, oh, I, I have this goal and oh, it's crazy big. After a certain amount of time, it's nothing new. You know, it's, it's mm. the same thing with the way you structure your day.
0: You have to have continual small wins. Mm. So the last point I'll hit on with accountability is on the opposite end of the spectrum. I want to pick your brain on this to see what you think about it, but something I've observed with certain players who are on the other side of accountability, where I call it toxic, toxic accountability. Yeah. Uh, you're, not, <laughs> it's, it's, you're so accountable that it makes you actually play worse or, or not improve. Sure, sure. yeah.
1: Well, there, there's kind of two different things here, too. Mm-hmm. The guy in the team that's working, outworking everybody else, yeah. so he might be accountably toxic to his teammates. Mm-hmm. You're not putting in the work ethic that I am, you know, or the other teammate might be doing everything they're supposed to be doing. So having a, an understanding as a team of what that looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Not just as individuals, a collective group. Well, what does this look like? What does accountability look like as a collective group? If you define, really well define the intentions, the needs, everything that we're going to be doing, it makes it a lot easier to know if they did it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we show up to rooms and they say, oh, you weren't working hard enough. You weren't doing this right. And it's like, did we even talk about that before? You know so let's make sure we're intentional with what we're doing in terms of the individual that might be too tough on themselves mm-hmm. let's say yeah um in this life and this is obviously extends beyond esport forgiving ourselves and expressing kindness to ourselves is the toughest thing you're going to do being nice to yourself is tough and that doesn't mean that now i'm going to blow off the class and my homework and just you know netflix and chill or something or if they <laughs> still do that i am, people still watching Netflix? Is Netflix even on I still do. Did you? Yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: All right. uh, The expression sticks. Edge one is as good, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um,
1: but this idea that we're so tough on ourselves, um, I almost view that a bit, bit of an excuse. You know? If if we're willing to be so tough on ourselves for certain things, and I want to look at it more broadly, how are, how are you handling your day? How are you treating other people? Um, this idea that I, I'm going to beat myself up into being the best version of myself, doesn't work. It doesn't work if you want six pack abs, it's not about doing a hard workout every day. If you want to be the best gamer, it's not about grinding all day. That's that's pretty antiquated, I think, in terms of the the mentality. So if somebody feels like they're um, pushing themselves to burnout, they're not doing the things
0: they should be doing to become a better version of themselves. What do you think they can replace those habits with? Self-awareness. <laughs> <laughs> a how about that? Good start. Yeah. Um, I mean, self-discovery.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, talking to somebody, finding out something about themselves. Yeah. You know, if we're if we really want something and um, we believe that we know how to get there, then we should enjoy the process to get there. I agree with that. The process, if the process isn't enjoyable,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't think you're on the right process.
0: Mm. So you, you touched on teamwork. That's a big part of competitive gaming, unless mm-hmm. you're playing one-on-one games. Sure. Um, so there's there's so much to dig into with that topic. So I want to just start simple here and and start with the player perspective of like the team dynamic. You know, you have players that are, you know, they maybe they're all good or maybe they're all good at different aspects, but they, it's really hard to get that team to to drive together and like op- be optimal, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, once, once you start talking about pro or even collegiate. It's not a matter of like, you know, teams being good, it's which team has like, that extra like, inch to be able to improve over the other yeah. team. It's like really small, minute changes sometimes. So right. how do you, there's no one way to do this, but how do you approach those kinds of um, conflicts? I think the first thing to do is to acknowledge,
1: right? If you mm-hmm. have a group of people, you acknowledge the weaknesses, and you're honest about them with each other. This is a difficult conversation. say, you know, we're having a tough time talking to each other and finding common ground and this guy's not good enough at throwing smokes and this guy's, you know, good at entry but doesn't want to entry and he wants God rolls. and um, I think that comes back to the common denominator. Why are we all here doing this together? Mm-hmm. You know, there has to be a lot of my teams, and it's not even me necessarily pressing it, but what I see out of good teams is a high level of respect for each other. You know, we're in this together. Sometimes I'll I'll offer teams a different perspective taking. Uh, I think perspective taking is huge. Everybody gets so into these things. Everyone here that's a gamer has been in a discussion with your team 45 minutes in where you're talking about stuff that really doesn't matter. Like it's so far into the weeds that it really doesn't matter. Mm. And so if we're able to pull out and and just have some perspective taking, you know, what are we actually trying to accomplish right now? Uh, How are we treating each other? Reviewing those isms of our team, our mantras as a team making sure that we're reflecting those. But I, I see my teams talk a lot about respect and about even if they're... I have a couple guys I work with that are from Serbia, and not to be prejudiced against them, but every Serbian I've worked with is very strong in their communication. They'll say, you, you keep stinking this up and you're, you're a piece of crap and you know, it's like they're just telling them. And uh, afterwards I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, that wasn't... They didn't deliver that news very kindly. Mm-hmm. And they just go, okay, well what I hear you saying is uh, I need to trade there instead. Yes. Do it. Okay. I think it's like, are we going to get wrapped up in our own emotional needs of this thing and our own emotional insecurities? Or are we willing to look at the, and you have to be willing. That's it. you, know, you got to be willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Easy to get tied up in your emotions. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to look at it and say, what is the news here? What, what's the information that we need to take out of this to move forward? And if you have five people that are in the room upset with each other and not doing it, it's time for a break.
0: Mm. What are some approaches that you've tried or seen that are successful with kind of bridging that gap? You know, you have someone who can't take feedback very well, but they need to hear that feedback.
1: This will sound strange, but uh, you have to consider my background. I might send those two outside and say, I want you two to to take five minutes, you're going to talk to him, five minutes, you're going to talk to him. Um, this is an exercise I've done with all these teams, so just imagine how troll this feels if you're sitting in a room and I make you do this with a teammate. Um, and for those five minutes, I want you to tell this person everything that you want them to say as if they were going to give your eulogy tomorrow at your funeral. And let them know what you want your friends and family to know about you. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now we're not talking about league. We're, we're finding that we're, we're in this together in a different way. And I haven't seen a team at the professional level where I think if one of them found the, years later on the side of the road, they wouldn't help them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't know me really well. If I was in trouble tonight, I'm confident that you would help me. Yes. And I don't know you really well. I'm com- com- I promise you I would help you. And I say that about anybody in this room. If anyone in this room needed help tonight and I could help them, I would. Mm-hmm. And I mean that. Um, and I believe that teams that actually have the common goal together feel that way about each other. You might not ask that person to stand in your wedding someday. You might not call them after your, their teammate, but I think down in the the real depths of it, we're there to help each other. We're in this together. Mm-hmm. And that requires perspective.
0: That falls into the, the topic of trust. And this might not be something that's in your real house, but I'm, I'm curious to see if you've ever experienced this. But I've seen in a lot of different scenarios where teams they're good but perhaps they don't have that synergy of, of trust it's not a matter of like insulting or ego it's just a matter of sure. i'm making these choices because i don't trust in you your might be genuine. Mm-hmm. i don't
1: trust this person to perform
0: right yeah yeah be real so uh, have you had any experience with that have like talking about these things have you seen improvements in I would, game say, I would
1: say less in the professional level however mm-hmm. there's always kind of like the lowest guy on the team right mm-hmm. i've been a part of teams where the general manager will tell me hey there's a 50 50 we're cutting this guy and getting a new one Mm. And I'm going to tell him, and then three months later, the guy's still there. He knows he was the bottom of the totem pole. He says, Edward, how do I perform in this next tournament knowing I was about to get cut? I- I'll say this openly, um, I don't think Ian would mind. Um, Tex who was a hell of a Valorant player um, and played for Energy before mm-hmm. the franchising went out. He was on the shortlist uh, of being let go and we went to Texas together for the VCT and he um, just absolutely dominated. Absolutely dominated, in spite of the fact that his uh, talent and everything was called into question shortly before that, right? Um, if somebody's missing the talent, your first role is to help them. If there's room for you to help them, you help them. If they're your teammate, and we know that your teammate's success is your success. Mm-hmm. The team game. There's no way around that. So if your teammate is your excuse at the end of the day, Good luck sleeping better at night with that one, mm-hmm. right? Tony let me down, now I'll sleep better, right? <laughs> Doesn't help. Mm-hmm. So you have to be there to pick up that person and help them. If you're not there for that reason, then you're not really uh, aligned with the goal. And again, we have to come back to what that is and make sure that we're actually on the same page. If everybody agrees together that that's how we're going to do it, um, then we'll lift them up. But there's going to be somebody that's not good enough. Yeah, It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's part of that's part of competition that happens in anything that's competitive you're gonna have a weakest link your jobs to expose their weakest link their jobs to expose your weakest link your jobs to hide that the art of war
0: mm-hmm. right. like it I like it oh. uh, I want to veer off of that um, and get a little bit into you know the individual and the health aspect of this you know if someone sees that they you know they're they're convinced they want to make a change they want to do better maybe get a little bit healthier and have better focus or just mental clarity um, where's a good place to start like if they don't know how to work out or, or exercise like what's a good place to just start
1: yeah I'd like to look at again this is back from my POV right I look to look at something that is for their body something that's for their mind something that's for their lifestyle mm-hmm. right? so I might look at how they begin and end their days look at those windows first how are they kind of setting that sail out to begin their day you know, a lot of people will find out man I have a really rotten middle part of my day but I didn't really set myself up for this. I might start there. Um, I start gently, it's, I've had gamers that smoke and I don't try to get them to stop smoking. You know, or gamers that don't work out and I'm not like, oh, you gotta work out if you wanna play well. I mean, it's yeah. again, it's holistic, you gotta meet them where they are, but everybody should be doing something with their body daily. Um, we're all eating food, so that's a pretty common place to start. If they have some health goals, we can move them in that direction. Um, if they don't have anything, which is pretty rare at the pro level, I feel like everyone I've met has said, hey, I could be better and here's a way you could help me get better, healthier. You know? um, funny when I say that, I think of a couple guys that would probably say, not me, Edward. <laughs> but uh, everybody's looking to improve. So I think if you meet them where they are, I have a pretty big tool belt in terms of um, my background and ability to help people my staff. and So we can usually meet them where they are. But it's got to be something that they can do, that they want to do, um, it's good if it's fun. I, mean, I keep coming back to that. I think there's um, the teams that enjoy their process are um, much more likely to experience success together.
0: Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to ask this question, but I heard during your talk you talked about uh, spirituality. Yeah. And I'm, just, I'm just curious to know how that pl- like could play for individuals. Sure. Or sure. a team.
1: Well, keep in mind, first off, that I'm dealing with guys from all over the world, different religious backgrounds for some of them. Most people are the religion of their parents if they're religious. That's just statistically accurate. Um, Spirituality is very different than religion. You know, spirituality doesn't uh, need a stigma or something. Um, Kind of, for some people, it's kind of that unspoken driver. It's kind of like talking about flow state of awareness or something. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're talking flow state, it's like taboo in the science world to talk about. Mm. Um, it's difficult to kind of quantify what flow state is, and especially in gaming. We're not going to hook you up to stuff and measure you. Um, so I would say the spiritual attic component is kind of tied in with that first element of who they are as individuals. I mean, what is their personal mantra? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get me in any setting hopefully feeling uh, like, wow, he's present with me. He's actually there, not somewhere else. Right? Some people you meet, they're like, totally somewhere else. They're not talking to you. They're not with you. They're not with you. You know
0: mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah.
1: Um, so when I say spirituality, I mean, what is that fire inside? What is the um, driver for you? And to me, that's very different than religion, although I'm you know, completely happy to talk religion with players and things of that nature as well. But. Um, kind of more of the, the component of the, the intrinsic desire and drive.
0: It, from my point of view, it almost sounds like you're talking about like what's their why. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I have a,
1: a Taoist tattoo on my arm. And if you said, like, what's my why in anything, I don't think I would ever say my spirituality. Yeah. <laughs> right. I right. Mean, uh, but I, I would say it's kind of like my foundation, like what I'll fall back into you know, um, almost like your ethical code, if you will, mm-hmm. and what what, where, what and where that comes from for the individual. Um, I think that why is kind of a complex thing. right? It can be, it can be a very complex thing as to why we do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but it, it could be for some, certainly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to gaming specifically, so I, I used to compete, I don't as much, I'm more so organized tournaments, but I know for me a huge, the, my why has changed over the years. Um, and I took that same drive that I had for competing in games like that was my like life for a good while I was like competing in Street Fighter and other fighting games and started putting that towards other things I'm like okay well Street Fighter's not making me money I I love it you know I'm making a couple bucks here and there but now I want to start putting it towards something else Um, and so it sounds like what people can do, because everyone has a different reason for playing games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and some people, they want to compete, and uh, your why is going to be different. So from my point of view, you know, being able to uh, be aware of that, right? Be aware of like, what it is, whether it be spirituality or what's your motivation, and then utilizing that. Um, I would imagine that that would also help to, to bleed into other areas of your life for other individuals as well. To
1: everything. Yeah. Right? I mean, the concept of I'm here to help, for instance, um, speak about spirituality for anybody that doesn't know Ram Das, look up Ram Das. he's one of my gurus, uh, he's deceased, but amazing uh, journey. And he would say, I'm just here to help, how can I help? He gave you two minutes. Yeah. You're looking at <laughs> me. Um, so you know, this concept of like, how can I help? Um, in order to help somebody, you have to help them where they are, mm-hmm. and you don't do that with judgment, right? mm-hmm. you don't do this, and we judge ourselves. Um, but if you're genuinely giving to someone, maybe that's kind of bleeding into spirituality or religion, but if you're genuinely sure. giving to someone, it's not about your own um, perspective, right? It's not about, I'll help you if you tweet it, mm-hmm. you know? It's,
0: it's, it's, <laughs> exposure.
1: A little ironic, yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's about meeting them where they are. So I think if we're, if we're talking about um, maybe empowering somebody or helping them forward, it, it really is it has to be on their terms, can't be on our, my terms. Mm-hmm. It has to be on their terms. I, I'm not going to be there feeding you or sometimes I'll be work out with you or something, but um, this is their, their responsibility.
0: All right, and there you have it. That is my conversation with Edward Cleland. Again, I'm super grateful for the opportunity. I love the fact that my job allows me to continue to do what I love doing, and uh, it gives me so much more confidence. And if you want to see more stuff like this, let me know. I, I want to try to get more speakers at the arena, uh, do more of these live conversations, almost like our podcast format where we talk and and just have a more open form comfortable conversation rather than the super structured back and forth questions that interviewers tend to do. Nothing wrong with that, it's just not my style. I, I like getting to know people a little bit better. I like to break down how they think. I like to get more, the why behind the why, right? Those are the things that I love doing. So please give me that feedback. Let me know if you hated it, if you liked it. Again, sorry for the audio quality. I spent a couple of hours trying to process and make it sound as good as I can. Hopefully most of this was audible uh, and you got something out of it. That said, thank you guys so much and I will see you all in the next one.